Welcome to this week's episode of Lessons from Loyola Hall, where Ian Thompson talks with longtime St. Ignatius theology teacher, Mr. Tom Healy, about a new theological matter each week. Podcasts, bringing the eye to your ear. So you wanted to talk about the Feast of All Saints and the Feast of All Souls? Yeah, I think those are, are two that it's, there, there are certain feasts in the, the church calendar that, that people think assume they know uh, what they're all about or maybe don't even think about what they're all about. And I, I think specifically to uh, December 8th and the Feast of the Immaculate Conception where people, oh, that's when, you know, Jesus was conceived in, in the womb of Mary. It's like, well, no, if you know anything about human gestation, if he was conceived on December 8th, being born on December 25th is not all that probable. And so since uh, the Immaculate Conception celebrates Mary being conceived in the womb of her mother, and we march forward nine months from that, we get to September 8th, which is the celebration of the Nativity of Mary. So I, I think sometimes we we know these feasts, but we don't ultimately know what they are. So yeah, I thought it'd be nice to, to just take a look at All Saints Day, All Souls Day as a, as a way of kind of getting a better understanding of, of those days as well as what the church teaches. Right. And so why do we have two celebrations back to back, November 1st, November 2nd? Like what's the difference? That, great question. Um, the church loves to do things kind of in tandem uh, when they can. So for example, the Feast of St. Augustine and the Feast of St. Monica, uh, mother and child, are back-to-back. Um, after we have the Feast of the Nativity of Jesus on December 25th, we then have some very interesting feasts that are martyrdom. So we have the Feast of St. Stephen and the Feast of St. Thomas Becket and the Feast of the Holy Innocents, uh, which the, the, the children that were, were killed by Herod uh, in an attempt to get to Jesus. So the church has this neat way of setting things up, uh, maybe the best of which is that uh, St. John the Baptist said of Jesus, I will become less as he becomes greater. And the Feast of St. John the Baptist is June 24th, the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, and the Nativity of Jesus is December 25th. Not only are they six months apart, but they are directly related to how much daylight we have. So from the Feast of St. John the Baptist on, there's less and less light. I become weaker. I, be, I, I start to wane. And uh, from the Feast of uh, the Birth of Christ, the Nativity, uh, Christmas, uh, we get more and more light. So one lessens, one becomes greater. So it fits in with what John the Baptist said. So the church likes to do that. So back to, from our sidebar, back to uh November 1st and November 2nd. On November 1st, we remember all those who are in heaven, those who are uh, part of what the church calls the church triumphant. And what priests will usually say in a homily on that day is we remember not only the saints uh, who are canonized, but all those who are in heaven. And no one but those in heaven know that they are there. Uh, what Sister Mary Raymond taught us in the seventh grade, there are saints capital S and saint, saint lowercase s, that there are those that are officially recognized by the church, but the other ones are officially recognized by God. They are, you know, they've achieved their eternal reward with God in heaven. And so it is a day for us to remember all of them, even though we don't know their names. We, we, we remember all of them. And then the same on the next day, we don't know all of their names, uh, but we remember on All Souls Day all those who have gone before us as the uh, 
as the Eucharistic prayer says, marked with the sign of faith. They have died in the love of God, and uh, they are still on their, their journey towards being part of the church triumphant. They are what we traditionally have called the church suffering, those who are in purgatory. Uh, the church's belief on purgatory goes all the way back to the Old Testament, uh, where in the, the uh, story of the Maccabees, uh, there is a statement that uh, we should pray for our dead, and logic tells us the only reason you would pray for somebody is if they need it, and people in heaven do not need our prayers, and therefore, uh, from even prior to the coming of Christ into the world, there was a realization that we need to pray for those who have gone before us as they become perfected and enable uh, themselves through, uh, through that perfection, through that purgation, that purifying to become uh, the person who God intended them to be and therefore can can join him in heaven as they were supposed to be from their, their creation. So then why is one a holy day of obligation and one not? That's a great question. I wish I could answer that. Uh, the the Each Episcopal conference, well, I can sort of answer that. Uh, each Episcopal conference around the world, so we have the USCCB, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, that, that's our Episcopal conference. So each Episcopal conference in the world chooses which days become holy days of obligation. Christmas is required. No matter what diocese you're in in the world, Christmas is always going to be a holy day of obligation. Don't recall any others that must be holy days of obligation, uh, but certainly Christmas is. And I think what each uh, Episcopal conference wants to do is to pick a number such that they hit major things, uh, but not so many as to make it burdensome for people. And I think maybe the idea of you, you have to go to Mass. Let's say, for example, um, November 1st came on a Monday. You'd go to Mass on Sunday, Monday, All Saints, Tuesday, All Souls. And, and that, that obligation, they might feel, would be a bit uh, of a stretch for most people who work and, and have, have things going on in their lives. That For that reason, it is good, obviously, to go to Mass any day and every day, uh, that they would not require All Souls. But it is... Uh, as, a, as a major feast just in the church calendar, the Feast of All Saints is of a higher status because it celebrates those who are with God in, in heaven. From the standpoint of our prayers, obviously November 2nd is more important. It is more important for us not so much to commemorate those who have made it uh, as, as we do on, on November 1st. That's what, why it's so important for us to go to Mass on that day. We are commemorating all those people who have won the race, to, to use uh, a, a, Saint, a phrase from St. Paul. Uh, they have finished the race. They have, uh, they have won. But to cheer on those who are still running is important for us to do as well. And that's what we are doing when we... Uh, when we pray for those who are deceased, maybe we do go to Mass on the Feast of All Souls. Maybe we do pray, as we do in class every day, for our beloved dead. Uh, we are helping to encourage them along the way. Now, did you run cross-country in grade school? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I had two children who did. And uh, it is interesting to watch a cross-country race. When uh, the, the best runners cross the finish line first, there, there is polite applause. There is an incredible amount of cheering at the end when the last kid crosses the finish line. 
Um, from the standpoint, say, of, of Olympics, the, the cameras have already been turned off. They're on to the next event when we finish with the, the gold, silver, and bronze. But if you are a, a parent uh, standing at the finish line at a CYO cross-country meet, you are cheering with all of your lungs as that last person crosses the line because you know how much effort it took. There was a, a, a cross-country, no, a, a distance runner, wouldn't have been a cross-country, a distance runner in the Olympics from Australia, and I can't remember his name, who was interviewed uh, about his running uh, the distance. And he said the people that he most admires are the people that come in at the end of the race. He said, I could never run that long. I, I finish in whatever time he would finish in. And he said, there are still people, marathoners, who are running one hour, two hours, three hours after he is done. He has taken a shower. He's gotten dressed. He's out to dinner with his friends. And some people are still running. He said those are the people that he admires because they have just an incredible amount of, of uh, fortitude. And so, in a sense, that's what we are doing as we pray for our dead. We are praying for those who are still running the race. They are still trying to get across that finish line. They still need to do what needs to be done to get where all the people who have saint in front of their name have already gotten. So that's uh, maybe a nice metaphor for us to think about as we as we think of uh, praying for those who we love and, and maybe even more importantly, praying for those who we don't love Maybe people we didn't particularly like in this life, they might need our prayers more than the ones we love. I mean, everybody wants to pray for the, the person that, that, that was great. Uh, how many people want to pray for the person who wasn't? And then also maybe to pray for specifically to ask God to send your prayers to those who have been forgotten, those for whom no one will pray, those who need someone maybe more than anybody else to help them cross the finish line. Yeah, that's why I love I love November. Uh, I love this time of year. Uh, I love moving towards uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Uh, I love watching the leaves turn colors. I think it's a, a wonderful sign of our of our mortality that that just as trees go through those cycles, so do we. So just as in the spring, when when Christ rises from the dead and there's a rebirth and the trees are budding and all that's going on. Just as important as what's going on this time of year. So I think it's very important for us to remember, A, those people who have uh, finished the race. And B, uh, for us to pray for and, and with those who have finished the race, to pray for those who are still running it, who need our prayers. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Lessons from Loyola Hall. Ian Thompson will be back with Mr. Healy next week, so be sure to tune in.